church. When Pastor, when Pastor Kimi asked me to pray this morning, I kept asking God for a word. And at first I didn't hear anything. This morning I read a verse and it leaped out at me. But because it's one of my favorite verses, I first I put it aside. But as we were worshiping, I felt more and more that I should share this verse. These verses, there are actually three verses. Pastor is going to be preaching on something that's connected to them. For the verses are from 2 Corinthians 10, 3 to 5. They're familiar to some of you, but I'll read them. Uh, and the people online, I hope you can follow and hear clearly. So 2 Corinthians 10, 3 to 5. For though we live in this world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Church, we are, yes, we are on earth. We are physical beings, but we are also spiritual beings. And we are connected to God. There is a lot we are facing. We should remember that we actually fight with the weapons God has given us. Father, we want to say thank you. We want to say thank you for your word. We want to say thank you also for calling us into a relationship with you. And you were aware that although you set us on earth, we would need your help. So you've given us weapons, Lord God. You've given us weapons, but many times we forget. We forget the weapons that we have. We forget that we are spiritual beings. So Lord, open our eyes. Open our eyes to see. Open our ears to hear. Lift the veil of our minds so that we can hear you speak this morning and so that we can receive the insights and the weapons that we need to fight. We commit the word we are going to hear. We are asking that you will open our hearts to receive, that we will not hold on to the past hearts, that we will not hold on to our past experiences, but that we will listen with a fresh ear, that we will listen with a tender heart, that we will listen with a heart that is willing to live and to learn. Because we don't know what the future is, but you know. We don't know what tomorrow holds, but you know. We don't know what we are supposed to do, but it's you who knows our end. You knew it from the beginning. So we are asking that you give us a mind that can listen, that can receive, and that will be able to walk in the things you're going to teach us. We are praying for Pastor Kimi, anoint her lips, anoint her, Lord God, to speak your word. We want to say thank you. We thank you for praying this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Felicitous. Wow, what a fantastic prayer. Thank you so much to our worship team as well. Ah, thanks for just bringing us into the throne room of God. Just so powerful and so beautiful this morning. So we are in our next week of our sermon series, and uh, we're talking about winning the war in our mind. And it's a series by Craig Groeschel. It's a book 
by Craig Rochelle, and so we've been tracking and following along with it, and uh, it's just been fantastic. So as we get into the word this morning, I'm just going to say a quick little prayer, because we're talking today about defeating our negative thoughts, and so I uh, I just love what Belly prayed you know, God knows before we know. And so, Jesus, we're going to be um, breaking down strongholds today, Lord Jesus, in your name. And we're going to be talking about how we can practically defeat the negative thoughts in our mind. And so, Lord Jesus, we just invite you in because you're the only way. <laughs> you're the only way that this is possible. And so, Lord God, And give us the power, give us your presence, and renew our mind with your truth, Lord Jesus. Thank you, God. Amen. Amen. Well, I think most of us could probably say that we are in the middle of a pretty decent life. I think most of us could say that. Hey, like, life is pretty good. Things are pretty okay. And yet, even though we're in the middle of a pretty decent life, we find things to complain about. I know I do. I know I, I have a pretty great life, but oh, dang, you know, I find things to complain about. And we talked about this last week, how the mind is a battlefield, and most of life's battles are won or lost in the mind. And so the life you have is often a reflection of the thoughts that you think. And we talked about this last week, and I don't know if you heard that message, if this has been soaking in for you this week, but it sure has been for me. What comes into my mind is going to be what comes out of my life. So if I have negative coming into my, my mind, it's pretty much guaranteed there's going to be negative that's going to come out of my life. I'm not going to be able to live a positive life and have a negative mind. The two just don't coexist. They don't go together. And so let's look at that passage again. I'm just so thankful Feli read it again for us. 2 Corinthians 10. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. Man, let's just like meditate on this scripture. Let's read this every day and every day and every day. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. They're not. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. And what is a stronghold? Well, we learned last week it's a wrong pattern of thinking. And many of us are held hostage by the lies that we've believed, the strongholds in our lives. And God is saying, no, 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 no. I have spiritual weapons. I have a truth for you so that you can demolish those strongholds. And we demolish arguments. And every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it what? To make it obedient to Christ. You see, we can defeat our negative thoughts. And if you've been with us over the last couple of weeks, we've been talking a lot about the mind and the power of the mind. And and we got to know this is how God created us, is with this powerful mind and powerful brain. And we've been learning that there's these things called neural pathways um, that are in our brain. And that they basically say that the more you think a thought, the easier it is to think that thought. So if you think negative thoughts, 
often it's going to be easy because there's a neural pathway that develops a pattern and so you're going to continue to think negative thoughts. But if you think positive thoughts, you're creating neural pathways so that you'll think more positive thoughts. And so today I want to expand on that just a little bit more and we, I want to talk about cognitive biases. Okay, so it's kind of like we're building on this idea of our mind and understanding the mind that God has given to us so that we can do what? So that we can have victory in the struggle, in the battle in our mind, so that God can renew our mind, renew the truth in us. And so that's why it's so great for us to understand this. Cognitive biases are mental filters, okay? So a cognitive bias is a mistake in reasoning based on a personal experience or preference, okay? So it's like a filter, it's a, it's a mental filter that impacts the way that we think. So it's like a mental uh, framework, but basically what it means is if you grew up in a context where uh, something really bad happened, this cognitive bias, this mental filter, changes the way that you perceive life. So let me give you an example. Maybe as a child, you grew up with really abusive men or a man who was in your life, okay? And so because you were hurt by that man, your filter, your default filter, your cognitive bias is that all men are terrible. Based on that experience, that preference, that, that thing that happened, you now have this filter that thinks all men are terrible. They can't be trusted with your heart. They can't be trusted with anything. They are not worthy of your love. And so it's this mental filter. Now, is that accurate? No, it's not, because we know there are fantastic men out there, right? There are amazing men in our midst, like incredible, godly men, moral men, men with integrity, men with passion. Like, it is not true that all men are bad. But this is what our mental filters do. They shape the way we see life, all right? So you might be thinking, oh... That's why, like, that makes so much sense. Like, when I interact with a certain person, it's because of an experience. It's something that happened maybe in my childhood or maybe a couple of years ago, but it's changed my cognitive bias and changed my mental filter when I interact with um, that type of or certain person. You see, it shapes the way that we see life. Now, on social media, you can use filters, and I don't know if you guys have ever done this, but uh, my kids absolutely love to do this, where we take in a, a picture, but then we put a filter on it, right? So <clears throat> I've got a photo here. Um, there's that, yeah, the one photo there is of me, and this is quite a few years ago because I had short brown hair. But don't you just love how adorable I am? Like, look at that filter. Like, look at my little button nose. Like, I am just adorable. Rosy cheeks and my little ears, right? That was a filter that we used on social media. The other photo is of Trin, my daughter, and Maylee. And this is at their graduation. And so they ran around in their cap and gown and took all of these photos with filters. Okay? They put all these filters on there because it changes the way they see the picture. All right? So let's go back to that cognitive bias because I really want you to get it, right? So what is it? It's our default filter. And it's not always accurate, right? It doesn't mean that it's a good default filter, but it is our default filter. You see, our brains 
are wired to respond and react a certain way to interpret a situation based on our past experience, okay? So like I said, if you've been hurt by a man, you're going to think, no, I can't trust men. If you've been hurt by a woman, you're going to think, no, I can't trust women. That is your cognitive cognitive bias and your default filter, right? We know those things are not true. Men and women are wonderful. But it's why two people will respond differently to the exact same situation. It's not that the facts are different, it's the filter, all right? So for example, at your workplace, your supervisor might um, go to two people and give them the exact same feedback, the exact same time of the day, um, almost in the exact same words, right? They'll give the feedback to two very different people. And the one person will receive it through their cognitive bias, through their filter, and they'll be like, oh, why are you telling me this? Like, you are the worst boss ever. Like, don't you know how valuable I am? I don't even like working for this company anyways. Like, why are you giving me feedback? Like, I do my job. It's this person over here that needs the help, not me, right? You don't know how much I bring to this company. And so we, that person's received the feedback through their mental filter. Now, the, another person it, presented exactly the same way might say, you know what? Thank you. That was really great feedback, and growing in excellence in my job is a priority, and I'm so thankful that you value me, that you see something in me, and that you want to mentor me and help me grow, and so I'm really thankful for that feedback. See how our mental filter can completely change the way we react to something like that kind of an interaction with the boss. It's not the filter, oh, sorry, sorry, it's not that the facts are different, it's the filter, all right? It's not that the facts are different, it's the filter. And, and it, on, online, I'd love for you to type in the chat, it's the filter, right? It's the filter. Two people could walk in to an environment like church, and one of them could say, all Christians are hypocrites, right? I hate the music, that place is stupid, I never want to go back there. And the other person that came with them can have a completely opposite experience and think, that was the most wonderful church. People were so friendly, they were so inviting, I love the music, and I'm pretty sure God wants me to be there, right? So it's not the facts, it's the filter. It's the filter. So you can see this through scripture, and I just love this story in Numbers 13 and 14, and I hope that you get a chance to read it after the service today, because it's, it's such a great example of how we filter our experiences. So Moses sends 12 spies to go and explore the land, right? So 12 of them go in to what is going to be the promised land, and they're like, you know, checking it out, staking it out, seeing kind of like what kind of bounty, right? Like, like what kinds of fruits and vegetables and what the land looks like, and uh, they're going to like investigate it, okay? And so it wasn't that the facts were different, it was the filter. The 12 went into the land, investigated, and 10 came back very negative, very negative, and two came back very positive. Again, it's not that the facts were different, it's the filter. 10 came back and said, this is dangerous. We cannot go there. They went so far as to say that the land devours people. 
Like somehow, like the land was going to open up and like swallow people, right? Like this is how negative it was. It was like super funny. They were like the land devours people and they're giants and they're stronger than us and their cities are fortified and we're like grasshoppers in their mind. And, and can you just hear it, right? There's like this panic because they filtered it through a negative experience, all right? But we know that there was two who came back and said something very different. Right away, they were like, no, let's go. Let's go in the name of God. Let's go and take this land. It's not that the facts were different. It was the filter. Type it in the chat. It's the filter. Now, it's not just the filter, but it's also our frame. All right? So it's how we frame a situation. So you might be in a situation, right, and the other person takes it completely different because they frame it one way and you frame it a different way. And so that's what I want to share with us today is this tool called reframing because we can have victory in our minds. We can. The truth can set us free. And so we want to learn how to reframe, renew our minds. And, and sometimes we talk about this stuff, right? And it's almost like Christian lingo. Like, we got to renew our minds. we got to renew our minds. And it's kind of like, well, how? How do I do that? Well, here's a tool for you today, and it's called reframing. So reframing is creating a different way of looking at a situation or relationship by changing its meaning. All right, so we're going to change the way we interpret or look at a situation or a relationship by changing its meaning. So I'm going to give you an example of how you can reframe your day. So if you wake up in the morning and you determined ahead of time it's going to be a rotten day, guess what? It's going to be a rotten, rotten day. You're going to look through this frame and you're going to be like, I don't know what I'm doing today. I hate my job. You know, my life is so bad. People just drive me crazy. I hate my life. My husband's driving me nuts. Why do we have so many kids? How do I get everything done in a day? I'm sick of my stupid car. I wish I had new shoes. I just hate my life, right? If this is how I get up in the morning and frame my life, this is how my day is going to go, isn't it? Right? But what if I reframe it? I reframe it and I say, I am so thankful, God, that you are with me. I am so thankful for my job and for my house, that I have a place to sleep, for my family and my church, for my car, even though it, you know, it doesn't run that great all the time. I'm thankful for my car. I'm thankful for my school for my university, that my tuition is paid or almost paid. Like, God, I'm just so thankful that you are with me in all these things. I just love you, God. I love you, and I know today is going to be a great day. Why? Because you are my strength. Because you are my joy, and I'm not going to let my circumstance determine my mood. Nope. I'm going to reframe it, and I'm going to look for you, God, every single minute of this day. I'm going to reframe it. Isn't that amazing? Wouldn't that just completely change my day if I reframed it and said, God, let me see my day through your eyes, through your perspectives, through your filters, through your frame, right? It's not just the filter, it's the frame, 
And we can reframe our situation. You can wake up in the morning and choose to be grumpy and have stinking thinking, or you can wake up in the morning and choose to look at the day through the perspective of God. You know, it doesn't mean that those problems have gone away, right? It doesn't mean the struggle and the challenge isn't there, but it absolutely means I can reframe it and look at it through a God perspective. You see, you can't control what happens to you, but you can control how you frame it. Church, you got to know this. You control which frame you're picking up. Your husband, your brother, your family, your neighbor, your kids, they do not choose which frame you pick up. You get to decide. Does not matter what happens to you in life, you control how you frame it. And I just want us to slow down for a couple minutes because I think a lot of us have these really big expectations uh, of what we wanted in our own lives, right? And I think now, more than ever, we are experiencing the opposite, right? Like, we're, we're struggling. And, and as I talk with people, um, you got to know you're not alone. Like, it's almost like everyone I talk to is saying the same. Like, I'm struggling. I'm having a hard time right now. This isn't the way I expected life to be. This isn't how I wanted it to be. Pastor Greg says all the time, this isn't what we signed up for, right? There is a struggle. And, and so I think for us, maybe, maybe for one of you out there, you're thinking, like, this isn't what I expected. I went to university. I got a degree. I have this passion for this job, for this thing. And I'm working in, a, in an unrelated field over here because I can't get a job in my area of passion. Right? We're like, we're discouraged by this. Or maybe you're at a point where you're thinking, I thought I'd be financially free by this place by this stage of life. I didn't think I'd be like living for paycheck to paycheck, right? I thought that I'd have a business or be running a business and I thought my kids would be better off and, and we're looking around at all of these circumstances and they're heavy, they're weighty upon us. And I want you to know that the Apostle Paul knew exactly what it felt like. In his story, it's so emotional because he had a heart for God. He was such an evangelist. And all he wanted to do was share the gospel, share the gospel, share the gospel. There was like Paul's like dream, bucket list, top of his prayer, his greatest desire, lay down his life to preach the gospel, to share the gospel, and especially in Rome. He had thought strategically if he could go and, and the power of God would move through Rome, then it would just catch fire and, and millions of people, well, it wasn't millions at that point, thousands of people would come to know Jesus from this strategic location. But instead of being in Rome uh, preaching freely, <laughs> Paul was in Rome as a prisoner. And he was locked up in house arrest, and he was awaiting uh, possible execution. And everything that he wanted, he got the exact opposite. So if you're feeling like, what is there to this life? Paul knew exactly what that felt like. But you know what he did? He reframed it. He reframed his situation. 
I'm going to read you um, a few sentences here. It's from Philippians 1, verses 12 and 13. And it's from the New W Version. All right? So you might not have heard of, uh, heard of it before. But just hang on. Let me read it to you. It says, and this is Paul's words. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has been happening to me really sucks. As a result of the hell I've been going through, I'm quitting Connect Group and I'm never going back to church. Now, this was, uh, yeah, I heard somebody from the worship team say, what? Exactly. This was the NWV. So this was the New Winers version. All right? The New Winers version. Life is difficult, so I'm quitting everything. It sucks. And that's it. I'm never going back to church. I'm not going to Connect Group. I'm not going anywhere. Right? It's the new Winer's version. And if you're new to church, there is no such thing, okay? I'm just having fun with you. Just to make a point that this is not what Paul did. Paul did not whine and complain about his circumstance. You know what he did? Let me read it to you in the NIV, which is a, a legit translation. Now, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for, for Christ, right? That, those were Paul's real words. He didn't complain. He didn't whine. He didn't look at his circumstance. He reframed it and thought, you know what? I have a captive audience every eight hours. The guards change, and every eight hours I get to tell a new person about Jesus. I, I don't get to do that every eight hours. So I'm almost like, should I go to jail? No, I'm not going to go to jail. I'm not going to go to jail. But this was his circumstance, and he reframed it. He said, Thank you, thank you, God, that I'm in chains for Christ because I have this opportunity. And every, all throughout the whole palace guard, they all knew. They all knew the goodness of God. They all knew that God could transform them, that, that God, that Jesus, that Jesus wanted to be their Savior. And because of my chains, Paul says, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. See, it wasn't just that Paul um, was preaching the gospel, but he was a, a story of inspiration for the followers of Christ. Hey, if he can be in a prison sharing the gospel, maybe when I go to the coffee shop, I could say something about Jesus to somebody, right? Like he was an inspiration to all of us. See, it's not that the facts were different, it's how Paul framed it, and it's how we frame it. And we can reframe our story and our relationships. Because I know that when I sit and talk to you, and when I sit and just think in my own mind, there is a battle going on in our minds. There is. Life is complicated. And there's just so much stuff right? There's like stuff to do in our jobs and stuff in our families and stuff with our kids and stuff with our neighbors and stuff with the people over here. And there's a bad report for your medical test you had done. And it's just bad stuff. And it's just stuff. And then there's behavior stuff. And there's just all this stuff that we're all dealing with. But God is saying, you do not have to stay stuck, looking, thinking, or framing your world through that negative stuff. 
God can renew your mind. And we can win the war in our minds. And how? Well, God can change our thinking. He can change our lives. And so we're going to go through this tool, this reframing tool, and here's the first step. Number one, thank God for what didn't happen. Okay? So I'm going to give you an example of this. So there's this girl, and she's 18 years old. And let's just say her name's Trinity, okay? So that's her name. And she says, she comes to her mom and dad, and she's like, Mom and dad, I have really bad news to share with you. I need to sit you down. And she's like, before you say anything, just let me share the whole story with you, okay? I want you to stay calm. It's really bad news, but just stay, stay calm. So Trinity says, I went to a bar, and I met a guy. And we drank too much. And I took him back to my place, and we hooked up, and I'm embarrassed to say that I'm pregnant. Um, the good news is that his probation is over in about a year, and um, he's going to start looking for a job right away once he's out of rehab, and then we're probably going to get married. Um, but since we, we can't afford that, I think he's just going to move in with, with us, mom and dad. He's just going to move in with us, okay? And so she let that story, like, hang for a second, just let it soak for a second. And then she said, the truth is, I got a D on my calculus exam. None of that other stuff was true. It could be a whole lot worse. So the first thing we're going to do is we're going to thank God for what didn't happen. I'm going to thank God that one, first, that story is completely false. Trinity did not do any of those things. And Trin did not get a D on her calculus exam. But that's the first step, is I'm going to thank God for what didn't happen. Right? There's a lot of things that can happen. And thank you, Jesus, if those things didn't happen. Now, maybe on a more serious note... Maybe you've missed your goal at work and you had like a, a goal and then you were going to get a bonus and there was a target and you missed it and you're feeling devastated by that because you were hoping for that extra bonus money and, and it, didn't, it didn't happen. And so it'd be pretty easy to be pretty grumpy, pretty bitter, pretty upset about it. Or you could reframe it. Thank you, God. Thank you that I didn't lose my job. In a compromised and challenged economy, thank you for what didn't happen. Thank you that I didn't lose my job. Or maybe you're in a car wreck and your car gets totaled, right? And it's easy to think, oh, there's the hassle of insurance and the deductions and we're going to be without a car and it's so inconvenient. Yeah, those are all things that are true. But what if you reframed it? And, and thank God for what didn't happen. Thank you, God, that nobody was hurt. Nobody in my vehicle and the other vehicles or anybody around. Thank you, God, for what didn't happen. So that's the first step. Thank God for what didn't happen. The second one is to practice pre-framing. And pre-framing is deciding how you will frame a situation before you engage in the situation. So our thoughts or frames shape what we experience. Now, I, I say this almost to, like, all of my premarital couples that, um, that are, like, um, intentionally trying to stay pure in their relationship, that they need to pre-frame their situation. 
because, you know, when you're watching a movie and you're snuggled up and you're on the couch and all of a sudden clothes start flying off, if you don't pre-frame that situation, you might have a story like that fictitious one that I had about Trin, right? We have to pre-frame our situations. We shape our experience. So I can, I can pre-frame my situation, right? That this, this winter in Prince George is going to be horrible, it's going to be awful. Here we are, heading into eight more months of winter. I hate Prince George. Why do I live here, right? We could, we could be like, oh, this is the frame I'm looking through. Well, you know what, Bonnie Henry, blah, 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 right? Yuck, 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 the church is closed. We can be grump, 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 right? We can pre-frame how we're going to look at a situation. Or... We can reframe it, right? We can reframe it. I'm going to try a new winter hobby this year, and I'm going to appreciate the city that I live in. I'm going to go to work, and I'm going to do my best. And yeah, there's some people there that drive me crazy, but God, help me to see them, to know them, to connect with them on a personal level. Let me be productive. God, remind me. That you are not dead and the church is not closed. That that is a lie that needs to go back to the pits of hell because the church is open. God is alive. And you know what? I might not like Zoom and having connect group on Zoom, but I'm going to go. And I'm going to love it. And I'm going to see the faces of people that I think are amazing. And I am going to reframe it. And I'm going to love it. I'm going to go and I'm going to love it. Why? Because God's not dead. And the church is not closed. See, we can reframe and pre-frame before we even go into a situation. I can pre-frame it. I'm going to have a great day today. Why? Because I'm going to see it through God's lens. I'm going to see it through his frame. So the first step there was thank God for what didn't happen. The second one is to pre-frame it, and I even say to reframe it, okay? So if the situation has happened now, I can still go back, and I can be negative about a situation, or I can reframe it. So we pre-frame it or reframe it, and the third one is that we look for God's goodness. We got to look for it, you know, when I was thinking of the story out of Numbers 13 and 14 and how the 10 went to the negative and 2 went to the positive, I thought, isn't that um, still true today? That if we have negative news, it's like a wildfire that, that roars through and everybody wants to know it and hear it. But when we have positive news, it's kind of like a campfire. you got to come up close to it you got to, like, be intentional to hear the good news. Because we all want the wildfire and the negative, right? Well, we can change our minds. We can renew our minds. We can reframe it and pre-frame it, and we can look for God's goodness. You are always going to find what you're looking for. If you are looking for the grump, 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 blah, 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 that is what you're going to find. Okay? That's what you're going to find. If you are looking for something wonderful, if you are looking through God's lens, that is what you're going to find. It's like a vulture and a hummingbird. What do vultures find? They find death. <laughs> they find rotting, decaying meat. <laughs> That's what they love. <laughs> 
It's not even like, oh, well, this is what we'll eat because it's the leftovers. No, 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 that's like their first desire. They love the rotting, decaying meat, right? That's what they go to. Or you could be like a hummingbird who chases after the things that are sweet, that taste wonderful. I promise you will find what you're looking for. If you want to see the bad through the midst of COVID, you're going to find it. If you want to find the good and the goodness of God, you're going to find it. It's called cognitive reframing, and it empowers you to decide the meaning of an event. You get to decide. And I want to challenge you even more in that, would you let Jesus frame it for you? Would you let Jesus empower you and let him frame it for you so that you would see it through his frame, through his filter? You know, I looked back over the last year of photos in my phone, and I want to encourage you to do this after the service today because I am pretty sure it's going to encourage you. So what I did is I thought, you know, I, it's been pretty difficult, hey? Like there's been some challenges and there's been a lot of um, division. And you know what I've noticed, which I'm sure you have too in this last like couple months, it's like you got to pick a side. Like, you know, a year ago we were all talking about COVID, but there was still a graciousness. There was still an acceptance, right, of whatever you believe and whatever I believe. It's okay. We can still be in harmony. We can still love each other. But now it's almost like you got to pick a side. You're either on my side or you're wrong, right? Like, come on. I was just talking to my aunt yesterday, and she was telling me about a, a situation at work, and it's very much, you're on my side with vaccination or not vaccination, or you're wrong. Like, we don't even have the grace for each other anymore to say, hey, I love you, and your opinion can be different than mine, but let's, like, be in unity with one another, right? And, like, all of the atrocities around racism and the aboriginal atrocities that have been like brought to the surface again and we are freshly being reminded of the damage that's been done and people are losing their jobs and other people think it's a paid vacation by the government right now don't want to work businesses are closing down like there's a lot of stress there's a lot of pressure but saying all of those things when I took my phone and I scrolled back to one year I didn't see one of those things. I did not take any pictures of any of those things. You know what I saw? A year ago today, a year ago this season right now, we were filming our Christmas special. That's what we were doing. And we have some photos here. There's a couple photos I took last year as we were filming our Christmas special. There was like 100 people that were involved in that in different ways. COVID was trying so hard to, to lock us down, and God just kept giving us away, giving us away, giving us away. And here, thousands of people heard the gospel because of that Christmas special. That was a year ago. Like, guys, that gives me hope. I went on to the YouTube channel for Gateway on Friday night, and we were watching it again. It's, it's glorious. The goodness of God is how I frame it. I also looked on my phone, and my Christmas dinner was much different. I like to have at least a dozen people at my table, and our, our next photo there is of my, our Christmas dinner. Very close, very small group, but you know what? It was so intimate. It was so wonderful to spend that time with my family. 
And then throughout the winter last year, we weren't as busy, and so we spent lots of time walking outdoors with our kids. And the next photo you'll see is um, we had done the amazing race in March, and we had like 21 teams sign up and drive all over Prince George and just have so much fun together. And then the other picture of me and my girls were in the car, and for spring break, you know what we did? We went to Vanderhoof. We did. We couldn't go anywhere, so we went to Vanderhoof and we bought pastries at this like little Dutch pastry shop and we bought a latte and we went and visited Elizabeth, who's a, a lady, a friend here from the church, and we went to her work and we just blessed her and she did her little African dance, you know, her little, Wah! like she was just so excited. I know, I, I can't give it justice, but that, that happened this year, right? Like that's what we did for spring break. The next photo shows um, I was teaching Eden how to sew, and so now all three of my kids know how to sew, which is a pretty awesome thing for me. Uh, the other picture there is of my friend Melanie, and uh, she turned 49 in May, and I couldn't find any balloons that said happy 49th birthday, so I bought her 50 balloons, and I razzed her and razzed her and razzed her for so long that she was 50, and so she actually took the bouquet of balloons and she kept them, and they shriveled up, and then she gave them to me for my birthday, which was only six weeks later, and I as well turned 49. We're just a few weeks apart. That happened this year. Like, that was, that was fantastic. The, the next photos show my daughter graduating. Trin graduated from Cedars. Uh, academic honor roll. Like, dang, that was this year. Like, that gorgeous girl, that's mine. That's, she's got my DNA. She's just, she's just to be like reckoned with that one. You know, like that happened this year. And then the very last photo is actually a picture of uh, Mackenzie Friesen and Elizabeth. I won't even try and say her last, last name. You know, Elizabeth. Um, and they were trying to push Trin into the uh, water. We went and we had this amazing uh, family picnic out at Clayton Tenay Memorial Park. And so we ended up having this huge water fight with like all of these families that came for our church graduation party. The next photos. Um, uh, the girls and I are some of our summer staff. We were out at Nest Lake Bible Camp uh, bringing the Word of God to the kids out there. And all oh, these girls were just phenomenal. Kids came to know Jesus this summer. And then the last photo is uh, my husband and I, and we're, we took our kids down to the Okanagan Gleaners. And if you know me, you know I love going there, and I love taking big teams of people. We didn't get to do that, but you know what? We reframed it. And we went as a family, and we had such a fantastic time with our kids. You know, there is more of a hunger for discipleship and worship than I've ever experienced among the body of Christ. There are more prayer groups that have sprung up than I've ever heard of. People are constantly like, oh, I'm like praying with these people. I'm praying over here. I'm praying over here. We had our 24 hours of prayer. That was last winter. Do you guys remember we had a 48-hour prayer in June? And like God like broke off some stuff for us. And man, man, it has been sweet. It has been sweet. It was like a, like a shift in the ground. It was something that was launched in the spiritual. You know, we just have to reframe it. God's not dead and the church is not closed. The gospel will prevail. The gospel will. So we have to reframe it. 
We're not interpreting God through our circumstances. And I know I can be so guilty of this. I look at my circumstance and I just start to panic or start to feel overwhelmed. And then the Lord says to me, interpret it through my goodness. Interpret your circumstance through my goodness. Don't let your circumstance control your mood or decide your trajectory, your pathways. Interpret your circumstances through the goodness of God. That's how we reframe this. That's how we renew our minds. We can't control what happens to us, but we can control how we frame it. Do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And when you know the truth, the truth will set you free. I'm going to close in prayer. And wherever you are participating with us this morning, I want to ask you to stand. And I know you might be in your bedroom, you might be in your living room or your kitchen, but this is just a holy time. So let's stand in the presence of the Lord. Let's not just be like, oh, I'm comfortable on my couch. I'm just going to stay here. No, no, no. God is worthy of our praise. Let us stand in his presence and let's pray together. Father, we ask that you, by your spirit, by your power, would reframe and renew our minds, Lord God. And church, if you are willing to step in and ask God, if you want to echo this prayer, I just want you to put your hands out in front of you. I just want you to say, God, renew my mind. Jesus, reframe my mind. just have to say yes to him he wants to I can just imagine him he gets so excited when we say yes <laughs> he just like dances and sings and Jesus is like yes 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 <laughs> I will renew your mind oh yes I will empower you I will reframe your situation oh yes 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 he loves it church when we step in and say yes to him we invite him in and Jesus we invite you in rewire our minds yes God break off those mental filters that are harmful and hurtful by the powerful name of Jesus Christ and if some of you today are like you know what I don't really see God working in my life right now maybe it's because you haven't completely surrendered in a real way to him and maybe you don't have a relationship with him yet, but today is your day. Let me tell you, God loves you. He loves you so much that he gave his son's life for you. He came from heaven to earth just for you so that he could be the one to pay for your debt, to pay for your sin. And so if you've never asked Jesus to be the Lord of your life, I want you just to say yes to him today. Yes, Jesus. I admit, I've made mistakes and I ask you to forgive me. Yes, Jesus, I believe. I believe you are the resurrected son of God. I believe, Jesus, that you sit at the right hand of the throne of God our Father. I believe in the Holy Spirit who empowers me. I believe in God the Father. I believe, Jesus Christ. I believe. 
I believe. And God, I confess today that I am inviting you in to my heart. And if you did that today for the first time, I want you to click the button on the screen that yes, you accepted Jesus. There's a party in heaven for you. And if you've already accepted him into your life, just stay in this posture of inviting him in. Renew our minds, Jesus. Make my mind new. Rewire the places that need to be rewired for your glory. Because I just want to look like you and act like you and sound like you. I just want to reveal your heart, Lord God. Yes. Yes, I invite you in to renew my mind. Thank you, Jesus.